The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. And I'm Justin Lemmy. We have the show that talks about computers, technology, and the internet. It's just the two of us today. Yep. That's it. Just, else just us. <laughs> no, not working. Broadway's Wait. at a baseball game. Oh, well, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, sure, but Sean's working, Amanda's working. Sean's not even working. He's on vacation. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's taking, he took, so we talked a few weeks ago about Sean and this RV, and he wanted oh, to get yeah. his his uh, streamer, Plex streamer built. He did it. Yeah. And I got to say, it is really cool. Yeah. He put Bluetooth speakers throughout. He's got it all wired. So, like, when he pulls into a rest stop, he's good to go. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. A rest stop or a camping spot? Both. Both. I mean, why would you be like rocking out at a rest stop? I mean, usually well, because you just, you're resting. You know, <laughs> you're going to the bathroom and then you're going on the road again. No, sometimes you stay the night at those things. I know uh, I've had friends that have done that. You, but yeah, uh, I don't do that kind of stuff. Oh, I know. Like, I like driving. I like getting out. But some, yeah. you know, it could be that his wife is not, you know, a road warrior. She might let's say, let's only go for six hours and then we'll stretch, we'll relax, eat dinner, watch TV, go to sleep, and start early in the morning. Yeah, because somebody be. and it's dangerous to drive at night. It really is. I mean, yeah. it's uh, especially when you're hauling well, a trailer. Speaking of six hours, uh, we're going to be going on a road trip ourselves uh, for the first time in a long time. Where are you going to go? Well, we're going to go back to South Dakota, my home state. We're going to go back nice. to uh, Rapid City. Right. Um, but uh, it's a six hour drive from Denver to Rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to. Yeah, it's 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 been years because last time we were up there, Eric was just a, a baby. I mean, he was probably well, he was less than a year old. Right. Um but uh, you know, after that, it got, it just kind of, kind of got hard to really drive around with him for more than, you know, thirty oh, yeah. minutes at a time. Yeah. So a road trip was kind of out of the question. But <laughs> now that he's older, um, I'm thinking, you know, if we leave around like noon, he can take a nap in the car for a few hours, and then we'll, you know, by that time we'll be like in somewhere in uh, either Nebraska or Wyoming, <laughs> and then we'll just give him the tablet. The, yeah, that, there you go, or the switch, uh, right? Well. well <laughs> maybe maybe i don't know I'm, i'll probably end up bringing it yeah just just in case but yeah we're gonna head up there in uh june so like june 10th that'd be we'll cool be so the third now, it's, it's so. not like driving through here in in arizona where it's just a hundred degrees like the entire trip i mean you're gonna no. go up in elevation the whole bit right no we're actually no. gonna be going down in elevation oh. to be honest because i mean oh, remember yeah. denver's the mile high city i forgot about that yeah yeah so everything else we're gonna go is basically downhill but on the way back yeah we're gonna be climbing uphill the entire way yeah you watch the so. gas gauge kind of go down yeah yeah oh, the <laughs> gas mileage going there is much better than it is coming back now do you do you use any of those apps there's apps out there like gas buddy and stuff like that nah. that especially you know they help out they're supposed to help out with your mileage and planning your trip and the whole bit. No, I don't really care. I mean, no, I don't. I don't mean to sound pretentious or whatever, but I don't care what the gas prices are. Like right. I just, I'll just buy gas. Like yeah. I don't. Whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, but if you were on the East Coast a couple of weeks ago, you would have been. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. that's different. That's, <laughs> that's different. a whole different yeah. story. Yeah, that that whole thing. Uh, if if you if you hadn't caught the news uh there was a what was it a, a hack it was a hack yeah from from a, a group that was dark side yeah dark side they were they were holding uh different companies they're doing that whole ransomware thing you mm-hmm. know where they encrypt your computer and then you gotta you gotta give them so much money in bitcoin to to be able to unlock the contents of your computer otherwise it'll be completely erased well they didn't realize apparently that uh this was the major pipeline the company that ran the major pipeline for the for the entire East Coast, right? And uh, once they found out the social, economic impact of their hack, they actually came out and apologized. What they, that the hackers? Yeah, they actually came out and released a statement <laughs> saying, "I'm sorry, we will not do this to any you know company. We're we're going to have better moderation tools in place. Like they're still going to hack." They're still oh going to do gosh. this stuff. You're kidding me. No, no, no. I'm not kidding. They, they actually apologized and said, look, we didn't realize the scale of this attack, and we're sorry, but we're not going to stop. They still, so got their five, saying, they still got their $5 million, right? Oh, yeah, I think yeah. That was oh, yeah. The, the company actually ended up paying the whole, the whole amount to yeah. get them to unlock all the computers, but the damage was done. I mean, people were doing some stupid stuff. 
uh, up and down the East Coast, like filling up, you know, trash bags full of gasoline. <laughs> I saw one. Okay, I, I saw a picture of a lady. Now I cannot. Okay, uh, let me. I'll tell you about this picture. So you go ahead and tell me what you you saw. I saw a lady trying to fill a porous laundry basket with gas. I'm talking about, you know, the kind that literally doesn't hold any type of liquid at all right, because yeah. it's porous. I, I got to say, I can't believe this is true. I, I cannot for the life of me think that people are this dumb to be able to think that you can put gasoline in a laundry basket I think it was set up, but but well, the, but the picture made its rounds on the internet. People saying, "Oh my gosh, look at how stupid people are." This is this is why you have to be real careful about what you accept as reality on the internet. Because there was a picture that I saw, and I even brought it up with a friend of mine that uh, had a woman with a uh, I want to say like a Target bag or a plastic, you know, big plastic bag, and she was filling the plastic bag with gasoline. Yeah. And right away, you know, it was like, oh, my gosh, look what they're going through in the East Coast and the whole bit. Uh, it does turn out, though, after doing some investigation, why you have to be careful before you just accept stuff on face value and share it. That photo was from uh, when they had the problems in Texas a few years ago mm -hmm. with the, the storms that had gone through the hurricane. And this is uh, it was just used, but it, it fit perfectly with the kind ah, of the, you know, the thematics yeah. of what was going on. The, um, the, their agenda. Yeah, yeah. You know, whoever wants to make something, you know, to look the way it needs to look, they're going to make their, whatever they're going to do to make it, you to, know, to show that. Yeah. What worries me, though, about this, Justin, is, is think about it. Okay, so this company comes in and they, you know, they do a hack and they're able to get in. Number one, why are they able to get in? Why, well, why mean, is the security of this? Easy. Yeah. Email phishing. I mean, email, email phishing has become such a huge uh, problem for companies. And a lot of these emails look really legitimate. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I have actually, okay, so I work in IT. I, I work in security and all this other stuff. So when these emails come through, nine times out of 10, I'm like, okay, I, I, I obviously know this is fake. I mean, I obviously, yeah. this is, there's just no way. But a couple weeks ago, I actually got an email that almost got me. Ooh, ouch. It was, now I'm looking at my email on my phone. Now I, I use Outlook on my phone uh -huh. and I have it, I ha basically have all my inboxes combined. So I have my work email, my, 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 my Gmail address, my tech talk radio address, and then another, a private email uh, for myself. I have them all combined. And I saw this email from Netflix. Right. No, I get I got Netflix. Yeah. Right. And I didn't. So the, the thing is, first off, it says your account is in danger of being canceled. Oh, I've seen that one going around. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, shoot. Maybe. And I know that I recently had canceled a certain credit card. Right. And then got a new credit card with a new number. So, so I'm thinking legit. Uh, right. I'm thinking right off the bat. I'm like, wait, oh, maybe I didn't update this credit card. Mm hmm. Before I clicked on any of the links, I happened to look at who the email was sent to. The email was sent to my work address, oh. which I never right. registered with Netflix. So right then and there, I was like, boom, scam. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just, I let the email sit. I didn't delete it. But what I did was when I got on my computer and I opened up my computer outlook uh, on my PC, my work PC, we have a, a spam or junk email a reporting system, a phishing, a right. phishing email reporting system. I can just click the email, click phishing, and then it sends it off to the security team right. for further review. Because it looks at basically all the headers it, that are coming in looks, the whole bit. Yeah. It looks legit. But it almost got me. And I sent it to the security team, and within two minutes, I got a call from the security manager says, hey, <laughs> good job. Good, good catch, right? Good catch. No, no. Good job. We sent that out. <sighs> What the security team to test sends to test, ah. and he says of uh, there was a lot of people that clicked on that link, mm. and when they click on the link, it actually takes you to a, uh, a, 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 a internal company website that says, "Look, you done screwed up. Yeah, like you should not be clicking on this link." But uh, thankfully, I didn't click on it because I noticed that it was sent to my work address. 
But honestly, it almost got me. You know, I, and sometimes you get those, like for Amazon, for example, and God, they look so good, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you, if, if you mouse over the email address, you'll see it. Some kind of strange address, you know, from a, maybe even a foreign country. Yeah. Uh, or you may notice even it might say Amazon or uh, yeah. Amazon to be spelled differently or two M's. It, or, you know, or Amazon could be a subdomain of it. So instead of Amazon.com, it could be Amazon.hackme.com. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so like, it's yeah. very easy. Well, now, do you think that people are better protected if they're using their? Because let's face it, on our mobile devices, if we read email on our mobile devices, I don't really feel we have the same level of protection that we have when we're on our computers. Well, if our sure, computers I mean, are fully that, updated. But okay, well, no, okay, I see what you're saying, but let me let me preface this with like a different point of view on that. Your Outlook client, or even just whatever email client you're using on mobile, you have a real estate problem, mm -hmm. right? You don't have all of the ability to view all of the different aspects of an email from a mobile device that you would on a computer screen because your monitor's larger, there's more real estate, you can see other things. On a mobile, right. it's, it's very compact. So that's how it got me initially was I was like, oh, my Amazon, okay, and thinking that, hey, my email accounts are combined, this is probably my thing, and then I'm like, well, let me just check who it's sent to for some reason, and boom, that's when I noticed it. But yeah. I think what you're trying to mention is um, the, the protection of the actual phone, because when you click on a link on a mobile device, a lot of mobile devices don't have antivirus software, they don't have all that other it's stuff. Available. It's, available. It, it's available, sure, yeah. but nobody uses it on mobile. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, if you, but the thing is, is also if you, if you get your mobile phone hacked, yeah, it's, it's also limited in what they can do. Right. I, I think to a certain degree, if you get your mobile phone hacked and they can get access to your, I don't know, your Apple account or your Gmail account. Well, that's a whole nother story. Or even a drive account where you store files. Yeah. That could so, give well, away, yeah. that could give away a lot. If you get, yeah. If your, if your Gmail drive gets, you know leaked out then yeah sure i mean that can give out a lot of information there so but it's also the idea of spreading uh spreading the info because that's the whole thing if uh, a virus comes in they want it to spread especially like for the 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 people that were involved in the pipeline you know we you, you have to think okay where did it come in came in via sure. an email or it, let's face it the worst line of defense can sometimes be the employees that work for an organization that just don't know and they get a flash drive they get a system that's affect, infected at home Mm -hmm. They have a flash drive. They use it both home and work. They bring it to work. They plug it in. They've spread that infection throughout the network. Now, hopefully, Absolutely. Hopefully the, there's protection to stop it. But I think some company IT managers are pulling their hair out. And you're, you're, you're an IT guy, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. They pull their hair out because people do these kind of things by clicking through and going to a website, getting a drive-by download, and then the ability to be hacked is, is even yeah. greater and, you know, these, you know, the other thing is people are very upset that this company, um, this pipeline went ahead and paid the ransom because yeah. it opens up a precedence. Hey, let's take down the electrical grid. Let's, and let's face it. Oh, the electrical grid is happen. extremely vulnerable. There's a couple YouTube videos that I watched um, a couple years ago, uh, but there's, and also one of my neighbors in my neighborhood works for a private security company. His job, he's a white hat. He's a white hat hacker. Right. His job is not necessarily to sit in front of a computer and hack companies. He actually does these things that you're mentioning about going out to these remote electrical grid sites and surveying the security around them, which most of these power grid sites in the middle of the country have absolutely no security. Or maybe they just have a couple cameras yeah. and, and, and maybe a heat sensor. And these guys' job is literally like a, um, like a Navy SEAL team. They jump, they go over the fence, they, they, they go covert. They, do, yeah. they go covert, they go over the fence, they get in, they try to figure out how they can get in. And again, I, I know I just said this nine times out of ten, they'll get in. They'll yeah. get into the building, and from there they have full access to the entire US electrical grid. It's insane. And this is just a, a, a small little company that's doing this. Imagine if you got some state actors, you know, yeah. Russia or China or Whoever else wants us to suffer, they have a lot more technology behind them, 
And that's kind of scary. You remember back in, uh, what was it, 2011, 2012, Southern California had that massive power outage that yeah. took out like all of San Diego and most of Los Angeles. And it was from some dude in Arizona inadvertently throwing a power switch that shut off all of Southern California. But I think the consumer has to be equally as aware as some of these companies. For the people listening right now, they would be thinking, well, how does this affect me? You're getting these emails. You're getting the, the spam. You go to a website and suddenly, you know, you're on not the website you wanted yeah. to go to. This is where you have to make sure you have that protection on your system, whether it be ESET or Norton or any of the antivirus companies that are out there, but also to be safe in your practices <sighs> yep. with what you're doing. Yeah. Don't trust anything anymore on the Internet. Yeah. Really, it's it's gotten so bad. That, and that goes with Facebook. Oh, my Lord. Facebook has well, become a haven for the fake profiles. Everybody is trying to get their name known by any means necessary, whether it be clickbait articles. Like, you'll, you can't guess what the Queen of England <laughs> hates when people do this. Then you read the article. There's nothing there about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's a bunch of ads because they serve you a thousand ads and they make their money because you just clicked on that stupid link. Yeah. Um, but but then there's also the more nefarious aspects of the internet where people are trying to get your information. Your Netflix subscription is about to be canceled. Click here to update your billing address. Because God not forbid only you do don't want you don't want to lose your Netflix. Yeah. Not only now <laughs> do they have your Netflix account, now they got your credit card and all that other stuff. Three or four years ago now, you know, you had the major credit union hack yeah. with Equifax. They got hacked. What I did for myself was I put down a total one hundred percent credit freeze mm. on all my accounts yeah a lot of the and some <laughs> and of the cards will offer that so you could do it across the board yeah but the card is is different than what i did i went straight to the companies and said from this point forward nobody accesses my account for any reason right i have a super long password made up of a bunch of different words it's kind of one of those uh word generators or whatever right if I want to unlock my credit for, let's say, when I just refinanced my house earlier this last year, mm -hmm. or actually late last year, um, I would have to go in and type in this string of random words right. to unlock my credit so that way the company can pull my credit report. So huh. there, so that's a different It's a different way of just saying, that's oh, put a, good a credit idea. freeze. Yeah. It's different because anybody who can get your information... Let's say now, all of a sudden, I've got Andy Taylor's information, his social security number, I've got his date of birth, I've got your living location, I've got your last three known addresses, I've got your phone number, i got your wife's maiden name. Favorite car. Favorite car, First car all, that, yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah. No, no longer. I still cannot get to your credit because I don't have that 24-word phrase that is needed to unlock your credit report. So that's a good idea. I didn't, I didn't know oh, you could do that. Here's one other thing I want to mention about specifically about social media and be very careful about what you do. A lot of the older generation will do this and not even realize what they're doing. But you will from time to time on social media, you will find these posts that people will put down. What was your first concert that oh, you went to? I can't stand that. Or uh, or name name. Uh, here's here's five things that I've done. And one thing that I haven't. How about you? <laughs> Don't. Yeah answer what's those questions what street did you live on as a kid yeah these are all phishing attempts even if it looks like it's coming from your friends mm -hmm. even if it is from your friend they might if just find, find no harm in it they might find no harm but you don't know who else is looking at that information and so friends of friends of friends of friends will see that and say oh justin lemmy lived on wisconsin yeah it's like oh Okay, now this person's got one little key to a potential aspect of gaining access to my account. Don't answer personal questions on Facebook. People have been doing it. It's stupid. They still do it to this very day. I see it Don't all the do time. Don't do it. If you're yeah. listening to this show, stop it. Stop it now. What was the one I saw today? I saw one today. It was the song uh, that was number one in the charts when you were seven. Yeah. Okay. Right? You would think maybe that's that's you know harmless. I've fallen for that before in the past too, until yeah. I realized it. Oh, I have too. I've gone back in my you know Facebook memories, and I've deleted those posts where I did share some of that yep. info because you're telling somebody 
well, here's the here's the year you were born. Here's the month you were born. Again, it's those little pieces of information. Yeah, you, you'd never think about that. You'd never think what was the what was the number one song when you were born? Oh, it was um, uh, uh, "Hold Me Now" by the Thompson Twins. Right. Wait. Now, okay, you don't think about that, but now it's like, okay, now look up Thompson Twins. Hold me now, number one. Boom. January of 1980. Yeah. Or whatever it was. I'm obviously not giving away my I think it's like actual, I think. whatever, but I'm just saying a year because I'm not going to give away my information on Tech Talk Radio. Exactly. Yeah. But you, you realize how easy it is for somebody to piece together information to get a full picture of who you are and how you can do it. Now, if you really want a scare, forget watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Friday the 13th. Go to YouTube and look up social engineering. Oh, yeah. That's, and there, that's That goes beyond that show we talked about on Netflix called Social Dilemma. Yeah, Social no, Engineering social, takes it even further. There is a whole... I mean, this... Okay, what was the dude, the famous dude, uh, the famous hacker guy that from, from like the Kevin 1980s? Mitnick? Yes. Yeah. He was a social engineer. Yeah. He wasn't a hacker. He was a social engineer. He would do things like literally just walk into AT&T's headquarters and wear a fake badge and say... Ah, I'm here to look at something real quick. Right. And then he would just talk his way into where he needed to get. And then he would be there. That's social engineering is just talking your way through things. That's what people are doing on social media. They're talking their way into getting your information. And um, there's a there's a one video I watched. I can't remember the name. I can't remember the exact title. But it was underneath the social engineering category where somebody was at DEF CON and interviewed a social engineer. And they Ooh. said... I'm going to get access to your bank account right now. And they literally called the bank. The guy interviewing was a male, but the person he was interviewing was a female. And what they did was the, the female called the bank, played the part of his wife. Okay. And said, my husband died and and I don't know what's going on. And she was just putting on like the tears. I mean, just instantly, right. boom crying on command my husband just died last night i don't know what to do he's he's got his name on the account and i mean she was doing all of this and the person on the other line was like okay ma'am i'm sorry to hear that i'll try to help you can you give me some information about him and well his name was you know i don't know whatever kevin or whatever you know and then and then um she would kind of ask him, like, as she's on the phone, like, what's your last name? You know, because that's that's general information. Yeah. Well, it's Kevin Johnson or whatever. And he's like, okay, um, do you happen to have any information about him? And she didn't have anything about him. But she's like, I'm so distraught right now. He, his, he was in a car accident and his wallet was destroyed. I don't have his card. And he's got the oh only. Oh, my God. And she was doing a great job. And this guy was sitting there like, are you kidding me? And within 15 minutes, she had full access to his account. Wow. And she was like, can I go ahead and set up a transfer? What? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And and the guy was doing that same face. He was like, what? Are you kidding me? And she's like, yes, I want to transfer all. She was testing. She was testing to see how far it could go. Right. She's like, I want to, I want to, I want to transfer the money into my account because I I, I know I have access to my own account now so I can take care of the family. And the guy was like, yes, ma'am, I can help you with that. What is your account number? And then at that point they jumped in and said, all right, this was a fraud attempt. You know, hey, we're we're stopping well, this right now. I wonder you know. if that guy has still has his job. No, 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 no. He he stopped it himself and was like, hey, look, we're at DEFCON. We're we're literally trying to hack you guys right now, and this is me. Don't give her my information. I'm I'm interviewing somebody. But it was that easy. It plays to people's emotions. And that's exactly what it's all about. We gotta take a quick break. We come back. Uh, we're gonna talk about a couple of product ideas that we uh that we both looked at. You've got something new coming up for the Nintendo Switch. So we'll do that with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Justin Lemmy. I'm Andy Taylor. So you've been playing around with a little uh, VR stuff. And I'm, yeah. I really, you know, I was in the store the other day and I was trying to think, maybe I want to get something to show for TV. And I was looking at the uh, the Oculus and I thought, oh, that would be kind of cool. Although it's really just me wearing the goggles yeah you really can't experience it well you can i mean because the, the the cool thing about so i've got the uh oculus quest 2 mm-hmm. and it's made by facebook well i mean well facebook bought oculus yeah. well, years ago but um so the oculus quest 2 is a standalone vr headset you don't need a pc to connect it to now 
you can connect it to the PC and open up like a subset of games like through Steam VR and things like that. Oh, cool. But you can also just download games directly to the Oculus and play them from there, totally wireless. Um, so I've been playing things, you know, I've had the Oculus for, you know, months now, and I've played things like uh, Population One, which is kind of like a first-person shooter. I've played VR poker. Um, but recently, I, I, I've, I found a game on there I kind of thought it was like a gimmick, but I decided it was like it was 20 bucks. It was called Real VR Fishing. <laughs> You're kidding me. No, I'm serious. Right? It's, it's called Real VR Fishing. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. It is fantastic. What do you know? What do you do in it? Fish. <laughs> but you can do that in real life. Sure. But you just go and you find a crick and you go and stand in it. Yep. And you pick a rod and reel and you yep. fish. Yep, pretty much it. Yep. But here's the thing. It's so, yep. I mean, no, that's it. It's, it's super basic. It is super basic. But the best part about it is, so it uses um, real photography as the backdrop. So, um, oh, hi. Is <laughs> your fishing buddy. My fishing buddy's here. You want to say hi real quick? Hi. Hey there, fishing buddy. <laughs> say, hey, can you say, you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. You're listening on Talk. TikTok video. Hey, that worked. He's getting, say, he's getting better. Can you say one more thing for for our segment here? Say, find us on the web. Find us on the web. At tiktokradio.com. At tiktokradio.com. There you go. How you do that voice, Justin, I, I have no idea. I know, right? So this fishing thing, you, you're you're standing there, you're, you're wearing these... So does it really feel like you're fishing? Oh, it does, actually. So the game is actually created by a South Korean company. Now, initially, the game right now, as it stands, is all of these locations in South Korea. Um, some of them are, you know, different lakes, different rivers. Um, a couple of them are, like, right down, you know, in, in Seoul, Korea. It uses real pictures as the background. So as you turn your head and stuff, it feels like you're actually there. And in the sound... It's just so relaxing because you hear the the lapping of the lake or the or the slow trickle of the creek. And then you're just literally casting your rod out there and you catch a fish and pull it back and you know you have to reel in with your that other hand. That's so cool actually. And, yeah. and but 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 coming up on the roadmap for this year, they're going to release a couple different locations including US West, which will include places like Lake Tahoe, Maroon Bells in Colorado, which is that super famous photo of Colorado that you see all over right. the web, where there's the big snow-capped mountain in the background, and and then the lake, the beautiful uh, clear lake uh, in the foreground. They're gonna have all these locations that you can go and just fish. Wow! And so again, for like twenty bucks, right? It's really fun. And I joined a Facebook group uh, for real VR fishing, and there's a lot of people that just say, you know what, I I, I really want to get out more often. And fish, I can't do it because of my job or what family or whatever, or it's just too long of a drive to go. But I can just strap on the Oculus Quest and go fishing in virtual reality for a few minutes, and I feel like I'm actually there. All right, so now I know one question that some people have been asking me about VR, and I said, you know, I don't have it, so I don't know, is can people that wear glasses yes. still participate and use VR? Yeah, so it, there's a couple different things about that. So with the Quest 2, uh, personally, now I can't really necessarily speak for the other uh, uh, VR headsets that are out on the market, but um, the Quest 2, you can get a couple different things you can do. You can actually get a spacer that will space the lenses away from you and give you a wider view and angle inside of the headset so that way oh, cool. you can comfortably wear your glasses as you're using the headset, or you can actually get custom-made lenses put into the VR headset so that way if you use it more often you don't have to wear your glasses you can take your glasses off put on the headset and it will have the same degree of correction that your glasses would have oh that's kind of cool and that's a little bit more expensive but it's it's also nicer it's the more comfortable not having to wear your glasses with the headset because you know you think about wearing glasses you got your 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 supports that go around your ear right and if you're wearing the headset, it presses up against those supports. So then you kind of get these indentations on your skull of where your supports are. So mm -hmm. it can be a little uncomfortable after a while wearing glasses, but it is possible. Yes. So you can do that one of two ways. Either just get the spacer so you can wear your glasses or get custom-made lenses put into the Oculus 
So then you don't have to wear your glasses while you're using it. Now, we've um, we've looked at VR before and the first iterations of this. We're talking years ago. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, nothing compared to what it is now. You'd have to, well, you'd have to put your smartphone in. Your smartphone yep. had a program and that's how you did it. And yeah, it no. really wasn't that dynamic. But now you don't even need a smartphone to be able to do no, this, right? No, absolutely not. No, the Oculus is a standalone, fully implemented uh, headset on its own. The battery lasts, depends on what you're playing. I mean, if you're playing a very graphically intensive game, you're probably looking at maybe two hours or so out of right. battery, which, I mean, that, to be honest, that's about enough for a session. I mean, you don't want to be playing VR for eight hours a day because it will mess up your vision uh, eventually if you're playing that often but one or two hours you know it was set there's another game that i'm actually playing too on the oculus and i absolutely love this but think about 1980s 1990s dungeons and dragons with a tabletop right oh wow so remember the old style before you had the books and pens you well i mean you still had the books and pens but everything was laid out in a in a dungeon on a tabletop where you had to move your characters around physically, you know, one square at a time. And then the dungeon master would move the monsters. There's a new game just like that. It's called Demio. Right. D-E-M-E-O. And it is an old school Dungeons and Dragons style tabletop simulation. And the best part about it is it is literally set in a basement that looks like from Stranger Things. That's awesome. So you've got the old Commodore 64 in the corner. You've got posters on the wall from 80s metal bands. You've got the old Pepsi cans sitting in the corner. Mountain Dew, Doritos bags. I mean, all these things are around you. And then in the center of the room, there's one single light hanging from the ceiling over a tabletop with Dungeons & Dragons. And it's multiplayer. So you can play with four other, three other people. So a total of four. And you're literally going through a dungeon and and trying to complete this dungeon. That is fantastic. I'm wondering, do you think they're ever going to do this? So, like, you know, one of the popular games out there, Cards Against Humanity or even, you know, uh, Monopoly, still very popular game. Have this whereas, you know, I'm sitting here in, in Green Valley and I've got my Oculus on and you're there in Denver that you could be wearing, and we could actually play yeah, these absolutely. games together. Like, and you could bring in family members. Mm -hmm. And so it would look like you're really all sitting there playing a yeah, game. Absolutely. That's 100%. Awesome. That's 100%. Awesome. Now, here's the thing is, so you've heard of the movie or the book, Ready Player One, correct? Yes. Yeah. That is, in my opinion, and, and a lot of other people's opinions too, that is the ultimate goal of what Facebook is trying to do with Oculus. They are trying to create, and I think they called it Horizon, I want right. to say. Right. Is is their 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 project? They're trying to create an entire new world that you can go visit with your Oculus headset. So you can put on this Oculus headset. Remember that old game Second Life? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. kind of like it was kind of like The Sims. Yeah, you know, but it was but you could create this character and you could have a second life and do it all. Well, it's kind of like that. It's a little bit more like Ready Player One because it's going to be in first person where you can go visit your friends' virtual houses and hang out with oh, your friends' cool. virtual avatars and have parties and go on adventures together in VR. I know they've talked about doing this with golf. Like you go out I already and play have, golf. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I've, there's a game. There's an app for that too. There's a golf uh, simulation uh, app on the Oculus. Um, there's a table tennis simulation. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you can do. Now, how much is the investment if somebody wants to go out and buy themselves? Like the so Oculus. I think I think the Oculus Quest Two is it's a couple years old, um, but don't get excited for the Oculus Quest Three yet. It hasn't officially been announced, so we're probably looking at a good couple years at least before the Oculus Quest Three comes out. So for right now, you can buy the Oculus Quest Two. I want to say it's two ninety nine. Nice, and that's, that's not that really bad. Yeah. it's really it's about the same price as like a an Xbox. But it's really, really cool. And again, you can only play it for a couple hours, and that's fine because yeah. you need to take a break. But what you can do with this, and, and okay, for those of you out there listening, like, well, I don't play games. I don't do that kind of stuff. There's all these experiences you can have. You can go ride roller coasters. You can go on a hiking expedition up Mount Everest. I've heard in um, VR. The Colosseum. Uh, you know, you can Greece. go visit the Colosseum. Yep. You can go visit all of these famous landmarks in full 3D a uh, 360 degree VR. So in a, in a certain sense, it'll feel like you're there. 
There's another one that you can do. It, this one you have to tether your Oculus to your PC. Like you have to hook it yeah. up to your PC. But you can go on a one-for-one scale replica of the HMS Titanic. Oh, no, that's kind of cool. Yes. That is neat. And, and, and they're improving it every single day. I mean, every single, well, not every single day, but like every single month they release a new update. They'll add more things like staterooms. So they're, they're basically recreating every square inch of the Titanic. So wow. for right now, you can go into the great room, the, the entrance. You know, remember the movie yeah. where Leonardo yeah, comes the grand down the staircase? The grand staircase. You can go visit that. You can go visit the grand dining room. You can go down into the depths where they do their when 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 Leo takes yeah. Kate down and they do their dance in the on the third deck with all yeah. the rest of the poor people. Steerage. Yeah, the steerage. Yeah. You can go down in there. You can do those kind of things. But they're gonna eventually recreate every square inch of the Titanic. So if you ever wanted to go see what the Titanic would have looked like in its heyday in VR and actually feel like you're there, that's a really cool app. That would be something to experience. Now, all of this is all put together with artists, artists that work tirelessly to create those elements. One of the companies that makes it possible to do all of this stuff is Wacom. Wacom has all kinds of tablets available from the Cintiq, which you draw right on the screen, to a tablet you can have. We've got standing by a good friend of the show, Doug Little, who's going to talk to us about some of their newer products that are actually geared at Chromebook users so that education can now be using these Wacom tablets to get the most out of it. So we'll, we'll talk with Doug. We'll take a quick break, come back, and then uh, at the end of the show, we'll have our website of the week for you. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash tech talkers. We promise we're not going to try to take your info. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor, and I got to say, it's so good to talk to one of our dear old friends, I don't mean old like, you know, age-wise, uh, Senior Public Relations Manager Doug Little from Wacom is with us on the line. Doug, it's always great to talk to you. Andy, it's been forever, and I'm so glad you contacted us to let us know we'd be on your show. This is fabulous. Let's talk about Wacom. Tell you what, there's so many great things. Now, for those listeners that don't know maybe what Wacom is all about. Can you give us a rundown about the company? Uh, sure. Well, Wacom has been around for a very long time in the high-tech world. We were founded in 1983 in wow. Tokyo, Japan, and our headquarters is still in Tokyo. And uh, Wacom comes from the word WA for harmony and COM for computer. So uh, harmony between human and technology, that's our mantra. We've been around for a long time, and um, it, it's a, just a great company to work for, and we do so many great things for people. You really do. You you provide solutions for not only uh, photographers, digital artists, those that just want to create, to want to explore. And with so many people now getting into technology and finding all the many different things that they can do, um, Wacom has made it certainly possible with so many different options when it comes to drawing tablets. So over the years, we've looked at Bamboo, we've looked at Intuos, some of the different uh, products within that line. I mean, they've certainly come a long way since 1983, uh, since, you know, Wacom has been creating technology for computer users. Our first uh, foray into tablets was actually to help the uh, CAD world and blueprints and obviously to uh, recognize Japanese characters, too. So oh, yeah. that was one way to get uh, Japanese characters written down very easily. Well, when programs like uh, Mac Paint and uh, Fractal Design, which is now Corel Painter, came about in the late 80s, early 90s, people discovered that, oh, my goodness, you can use a Wacom tablet to create art and design. And that's when we really took off was, uh, kind of late, late 80s, early 90s, and we haven't looked back since. Well, I've used the Wacom products with software from Corel, uh, Aldis, going way back, uh, Adobe, and it just seems like there's a growing number of uh, software manufacturers that are utilizing the ability to work with a drawing tablet into the workflow. We're always, uh, you know, working with uh, software uh, developers on, on new products. And, you know, obviously hardware can't function without good software. And now there are literally hundreds of pressure sensitive applications that can um, take a Wacom pen and just make great art and design with it from, you know, Adobe to Corel to all the programs from Autodesk. And, you know, we're talking industrial design, we're talking animation, uh, game development, all these products are used 
just great to see. For anybody listening that's never seen the Wacom product, definitely take a look at their website. But let me let me kind of paint a picture. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Uh, but and that's without a tablet. But uh, the idea is, you know, if you've tried to draw on your computer using a mouse, forget it. I mean, it's just it's just too difficult to do. But imagine having a tablet in front of you, and you can look at the tablet and look at the screen at the same time, and you have a pen, and that pen. That, there's a lot of technology in that pen. That pen can translate what you want to the screen and be able to draw something. So a lot of artists out there have always wondered, do I draw on paper and scan it? You actually get more of an experience when you're using a Wacom tablet. But the pens are pretty magical. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about just they're beyond just a point kind of interface? Yeah, Wacom uh, was the first to develop a electromagnetic resonance uh, technology pen. So our pens literally have no batteries or no cords. So um, they never meet, need to be plugged in, never be, need to be charged. So the, actually the tablet surface emits a very uh, weak radio wave that powers the pen. And um, that's how our pens work. So super natural, super intuitive. Uh, our stuff, as you know, Andy, because I know you've tried it. Oh, is, yeah. Uh, just like working with real paper. Um, and uh, as you said, we make opaque tablets which sit on your desk, but we also make interactive pen displays which are used by high-end professionals in industrial design, animation, game development, all that type of stuff where you're literally drawing directly on screen. So that is even more natural, less cerebral gymnastics going on, and it's really, really cool to work. Yeah, I actually have some friends that work in the animation industry, and the Cintiq is just an amazing device that allows you to, you know, draw on the screen. Uh, it's great. It's used in film. I mean, honestly, Wacom is one of those products that you can find in a household as well as a high-end multimedia production company. Yeah, absolutely, and that's super true, and that's one of the cool things about Wacom is we deal with pretty much everything out there. I mean, um, in your daily life, you probably, you know, touch a few hundred things a day that were, were developed on a Wacom pen display or a pen tablet. So that's one of the things that makes it so cool working for Wacom. Now, there's a there's a couple of new products that have been announced that, you know, really caught my eye because you're really focusing on kind of education, the, the home user. One by Wacom, which is available in uh, different sizes, and there is a, a very inexpensive small unit to get uh, people started if they really want to, you know, use this and use this for remote learning or a classroom environment. How is the one by Wacom going to be used in these type of situations? Uh, yeah, well, the one by Wacom is a neat little tablet, and uh, it's about an eight inch by six inch opaque tablet. So it sits on your desk and connects to your computer. And that computer can be either a Macintosh, a PC, or a Chromebook. Uh, Google just uh, certified the one by Wacom with the Works with Chromebook certification. We are the first tablet to be certified by Google to, uh, to function with uh, Chromebook devices. So nice. um, about 70% of schools here in the United States use Chromebooks. It might be a little less than that, but that's that's a pretty close number, I think. And um, the the pandemic, especially, has brought out a lot of uh, remote learning initiatives, and kind of Wacom has helped out with that a great deal this past year. And so that's why we've done that. And it's been a great little tablet for the classroom, easy to connect, very simple to use, and teachers and students can get along with it just great. Plus, they still get that experience of, of, of and I guess I'm kind of old school here, but the experience of using a pen. I mean, uh, you, you're, you're, you can actually use this for more than drawing a character or doing, a, like I said, creating an animation. You can actually use it for, for schoolwork type of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that's what's happened. Um, you know, Wacom has always been huge in the uh, higher education market where, People are learning about industrial design or animation. Our products are in schools around the country, around the world in those areas. But uh, recently, this has become a much bigger deal where students have to work remote. And for those that are learning a new foreign language that requires different characters, or if you're doing math or sciences that require 
um, equations to be written out. You can only do that with a pen. You can't do yeah. it with a mouse. And it certainly isn't very easy to do with your fingers either. So yeah. a pen is a very accurate pointing device, and that's what makes this so cool. So I love this, again, available for the Chromebook, which makes it nice. And it's not that expensive as well. Um, now, what would be the difference between the one by Wacom and maybe the, the recently announced, and I love the Intuos line. I've got one, uh, the Wacom Intuos S. What would be the, the difference between the two of them? We have several um, opaque tablets. So the, the one by Wacom is our least expensive, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. It also probably has the, the lesser of um, kind of feature sets. Right. It does have two buttons on the pen um, that you can uh, customize if you'd like. Then you jump up to the Intuos, which has four express keys that can also be customized in our driver software. And then um, the Intuos also features wireless technology, so Ooh. it doesn't need to be wired to computer like the one by Wacom would. Right. And then we also have the Intuos Pro, which uh, is more of a higher-end device for serious amateurs or professionals that are looking for something that has a little more pressure sensitivity and um, items that can help you uh, with shortcuts and modifiers and things like that. So just allows you to work a little bit faster and easier. Now, with the, uh, the pens itself and some of that customization, uh, they're able to change brush sizes, the type of uh, maybe brush that they would be using as they're drawing on the screen. Uh, they're able to do that all just by, you know, pre-programming or even changing there, correct? Uh, correct, correct. So uh, almost every software package offers some, si some sort of customization. And mm -hmm. yes, anytime you're using a, a Wacom device, it's super easy to uh, customize the pen to do exactly what you want. And um, it's just a matter of getting used to the software program and understanding how it works. For the users that want to go ahead and say pick up the uh, the Intuos S, uh, what software ships with that? That you know they get it, they look at it, and they go, "Okay, what do I do with it now?" Uh, you do ship software so that they can start playing around with it and and really kind of learning what all the many different things it can do. Sure, we do. Yep, yep. So um, with the uh, Intuos Small, which is our our you know, consumer tablet. Mm -hmm. um, that ships with Corel Painter Essentials 8, Corel Aftershot Pro 3, and then Clip Studio Paint Pro. Okay. And those are three months um, free bundles. And then if you decide that you want to uh, uh, buy it from there, you can. And so it's a, it's a cool. nice little deal. Awesome. And now about learning the basics of this. Now, at some point, uh, I'm sure, Doug, you got into this and you were like, okay, I, I need to learn how to do this. Um, is, is it, a, is it a, a challenging process? Are there online courses? Are there lots of books available? Or, you know, I'm, I've noticed on the website, though, I've saw a lot of videos on the Wacom website, which I thought was pretty cool to help people get started. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, it's uh, obviously the best way to get started with anything, as you well know, is to, to start to use it yourself. Mm -hmm. Nothing can replace uh, <laughs> getting down into the nitty gritty of the tablet yep. by just putting one on your desk and starting to use it. Because there is a learning curve to using a tablet. We have what's called absolute positioning on our tablet. So when your pen is up in the upper right hand corner of your screen, for example, you'll know that your cursor is also pointing to that exact spot on the upper right-hand side, right. side of your screen as well. So um, that takes a little bit of use, getting used to. It's usually a couple of days. But once you get used to it, it's very easy. But as you said, there are things that you can do to uh, learn more. Yes, we have tutorials on our website. And sure, there's plenty of stuff on uh, YouTube that you can find as well on how to, how to work with a tablet. I gotta say, I've uh, I've I've used uh, my tablet in doing digital uh, correction and restoration, and you know, just some people will say, "Oh, here, can you fix this?" And I'll take a look. At it. Yeah, no problem. Because I have the tablet. If I didn't have it, I know it would be a real challenge to do with a mouse. So if you're, you know, you want to do the photo restoration, you want to be able to do some really cool things like this. This certainly makes it a lot easier. Now, Doug, I know you've been a Wacom for many years. What would you say? is the biggest wow moment for you when it comes to the technology behind this? What is something that made you say, oh, this is cool? Um, well, I think there's lots of things. Uh, a couple of them are um, introducing um, 
touch input uh, onto a tablet along with pen input. Yeah. That was a really cool moment, uh, especially for for professionals working in three t- 3D primarily, because mm. um, now you can uh, you know move and rotate an object with your fingers while you're using the pen. Um, it's a it's a pretty cool way to work. So that's fun. Um, introducing uh, wire uh, Bluetooth into our tablets. So. For example, if you're giving a presentation to a group, you can now wander around the room while using your tablet. Nice. Um, that was a big moment. Um, and, you know, just our bigger interactive pen displays, getting an interactive pen display in a 24-inch or 32-inch uh, platform is really, really cool for uh, people that are in a profession where they're drawing, you know, for long periods of time and need something that's super accurate and super easy to use. It's great stuff. Uh, we, we love it. And uh, we definitely want our listeners to take a look at our website. We have uh, information there as well. Uh, now, is there a website where people can go to get more information and where can they purchase the product? Uh, of course. Um, it's www.wacom.com. Uh, we do have an e-store, so you can always purchase right from our website. Uh, Amazon sells uh, all of our products. And if you're looking to go to a store to actually look and kind of play with one, uh, you can go to Best Buy, Staples, and a few others around the country. But th- those are my primary recommendations. Very cool stuff, Doug. Uh, hopefully we won't take too long to talk to each other again. But I tell you what, it's always great to talk to you. And I appreciate you coming on Tech Talk Radio. Thanks so much, Andy. It's been great. And yes, let's uh, not wait this long again. Well, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back more with more of Tech Talk Radio. You can find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. Tim Havlock, a.k.a. Darkness429. You can find me over at facebook.com forward slash darkness429. And you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Justin Lemmy. So this last weekend, I went golfing for the first time this season. Right. I sucked. <laughs> we haven't really... been on the course in a while. Well, yeah, I, I know, but I'm not that great. And so I started talking to a friend of mine. He's like, what is your handicap? I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm fully functional. And he's like, no, no, your golf handicap. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, go- I don't know what my golf handicap is. He's like, you need to go check it out. Sign up for this website. It's called GHIN.com. It stands for Golf Handicap Information Network. It is sponsored by the USGA, the United States Golf Association. You go to GHIN.com, and you can sign up for free. You put in your scores. So when you go out golfing, there's I think there's like 32,000 golf courses in their database. Right. You post what course you did and what your score was, your actual score, your 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 gross score. Right. And then it will calculate for you. I think it's after 56 holes, it will calculate what your golf handicap is. Oh, very nice. So, so then you can go and play other people and be like, well, you know, you're pretty good, but I've got a golf handicap of 20, <laughs> so I shot par. You that's know? awesome. <laughs> All right, so that's G-H-I-N.com. Yeah, it stands for the Golf Handicap Information Network, sponsored by the USGA. Well, that's it for this week's show. I want to thank uh, Doug Little for coming on with us. Uh, we're working on something for next week's show. Um, for those that are dealing with Parkinson's, how do you use a mouse? We'll have some solution we, we can tell you about. Um, be sure to find us on the web at techtalkradio.com and on Twitter at techtalkradio.com. We'll see you next week.